Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and in keeping with this theme of helping dads become heroes, which can be sometimes to your kids or even to your grandkids, I want you to know that today I have a special guest joining me, and he's actually a friend that I've known since high school. And not only that, but he's a man who I so have respected that I even introduced him to a roommate of mine over 30 years ago, and now they've been married almost 35 years. How cool is that? Well, before (laughs) we start the conversation, I want to tell you a little bit more about Jim Jones, besides the fact that he and I go way back. uh, He is the president of Valiant Leaders, and he has been studying leadership for the last 11 years. He also served in the pastorate at the same church for 16 years, and then later was the field, uh, I guess it's director of field operations for the Moody Bible Institute. He has a graduate degree in leadership and is currently working on his Doctor of Business Administration and Management degree at George Fox University. And Jim and Jolene have three married sons and four granddaughters. How cool is that? With my dad-granddaughter love, Jim has actually taken it to a whole nother level as I see how he invests into the lives of his granddaughters. Well, welcome, Jim. Thank you, Michelle. It's good to be here. I'm glad you are. Well, each week you all know that we use a template of On Your Market, Set, Go as a way to organize the information. Now, I'm talking today to an expert in organization and leadership, so we'll see how I do. Um, So you, Jim, are like standing with me here as a coach for the dads who are listening, who are standing side by side, like on a track, getting ready to run their fathering race. So On Your Mark is the title each week. So the title for our conversation today is What Servant Leadership Looks Like. And I'm so excited, Jim, that you are here as a leadership expert and that you're going to help fathers today understand a little more fully what that kind of leadership looks like, because I don't think we hear enough about it. Do you? No, No. I don't think so at all. Yeah. So I'm so I'm so excited that you're here. Well, first, can you just share the story that you told me this week about pastors and their challenges, according to the research with leadership? Well, you know, current research shows that 75% or more of pastors do not feel qualified to lead, and Mm. yet they're given that responsibility to to lead congregations, to lead individuals. And so what do they do with that? If they're feeling like they're inadequate, do they go to their boards? Do they go to their churches? And I don't think that it's just limited to pastors either. I think people in the business community, who do they go to Mm -hmm. when they feel that they don't have the skills necessary to lead? Yeah, good point. And and I think there's probably a lot of dads that fall into that 75% category, even Mm -hmm. saying, I don't feel qualified to lead my family, whether it's spiritually or, you know, anyway. I I totally agree. And so often when we're in that fathering role, we're we're still fairly young. Mm -hmm. And so we haven't had the the opportunity to, to grow and mature in those areas. Yeah. And I think dads disqualify themselves so easy. Those messages go in. And so I love that you today, Jim, are like a mentor, maybe to dads that didn't have someone telling them what it looks like to actually lead. And I'm so excited about this conversation. Well, let me just ask you kind of just as a starting point is what prompted you, Jim, to even study leadership in the first place? I'd love to hear about your journey to get where you are today. Well, first of all, you talked about not having that father role. Mm -hmm. My father passed away when I was 13 years old. So 
I miss some of that role model in my own life. I, I got to see it through other kids' fathers, including your father at times. Mm. But there was, there was also that aspect that I was one of those pastors who had inadequate leadership skills and training. Mm-hmm. And I found myself so frustrated at times, in fact, more often than not, because I realized the limitations that I had. But, you know, as a pastor, I thought I knew what servant leadership was. I mean, we had that modeled by Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't want to be that servant leader? So my concept of servant leadership was making sure that the the facilities were uh where they needed to be on Sunday morning, you know, clean and ready to go, that coffee was made, that, that you know, it was all about doing rather than mm-hmm. about being. And so um, I, I didn't develop those leadership skills that I needed to have. And the people that I was supposed to lead were not responding to the vision that I had. Mm, and I found it very good. frustrating. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> You're like, I'm doing yeah. everything I know how to do. Why is it not enough? You know? Exactly. And so I found that people, they were hurt and they felt misunderstood. In fact, I felt misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that, yeah, when you just <laughs> said that. Well, yeah. Jim, Jim, what would you say? Let's define that concept. What is servant leadership? And since this is a dad program, right, why do you think it's important for dads to learn these principles so that they can be better leaders in their homes? Well, servant leadership has been modeled throughout the centuries by by many leaders, and as I mentioned, certainly by Christ. Mm -hmm. But it was formalized into a theory by Robert Greenleaf in the 1970s with 10 principles, but others have added to that over the years or changed them around for their, their own understanding. And we don't have time to list them all, but let me name a few of the principles that dads can use immediately. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Okay. They are listening, empathy healing, awareness, and nurturing. What father wouldn't want to have those? What daughter or yeah. son even wouldn't want to have a, a, a parent that that listens, empathizes with them, wants to bring healing into their lives? They're, they're aware of their own uh, shortcomings and how they're responding to their children and mm-hmm. being that nurturer. Excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, Michelle, most people think that they're good listeners but they're not. Good point. You know, listening is a learned skill, and it's not one that most people, in fact, I don't think anybody really is born with it, and it takes time and Mm. patience to develop. I know that I have to work at it, and listening requires, and get this, this is so deep, but it requires not talking. (laughs) (laughs) And and that seems so simple, but it's difficult for us. Oh, I so appreciate you just making it that practical, Jim, and admitting that you have to work at it. I think sometimes, like you highlighting that this is learned, it's not something we're born with, may help dads not feel less than if they don't already know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem. We think that everybody else, they're doing great in this area, and they're not. They're mm-hmm. struggling just as much as we are. Yeah, good so, point. you know, when we're listening... We need to understand that um, that we can't overtalk the other person either. And as parents, sometimes we do that. I find that as a struggle in relations or mm-hmm. in conversations that I have with people, you know, to bite my tongue and to listen. Because our brains work four times faster than, what, than we can speak. Wow. And so when somebody's talking... Our brains are processing not only what they're saying. In fact, they leave the conversation oftentimes, and 
have you ever been sitting right in front of somebody, listening to them, and all of a sudden you're thinking, what did they say? How am I going to <laughs> Totally. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reality is that we're supposed to be paying attention to what this person is saying, but our minds are going someplace else. Sometimes it's, it's focused on, on other things. Sometimes it's just what we're going to say next. Yeah, yeah. That's why we have to look people in the eye. Now, you don't want to overdo that, but you want to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work. You you need to focus on them and what they're saying. And so that's where we have to use those clarifying questions so that we understand what what people are actually saying. That's good. And I found myself sometimes using that technique against the other person, though. I have used it to try to tell them why they're wrong. (laughs) So it might go something like this. And I might not say it, but I'm thinking it. Okay, so what you're saying is such and such. And that's what I'm hearing. But but here's my perspective. And and so we override anything that they just said, and we discount it. And you know what? To be honest, Jim, I think think a lot of daughters tell me that's what they feel a lot from their dad. Yeah. Misheard and rolled over. Yeah, exactly. Because because I have experience. I've been down this road before. And let me tell you why you're wrong. Mm. And dads can, dads can easily do that with their children without realizing it. You know, last year I was challenged by a good friend who speaks into my life often. And he challenged me to stop doing that. Wow. He, he challenged me to also to take a moment and try to understand why the person felt feels the way that they feel or uh, why they have the perspective that they have. But, you know, what we don't often understand is that there is a reason why the person thinks that they, the way that they do. Yeah, yeah. And, and because it's different than ours, we can discount that. And yeah. so we want to show them why they're wrong rather than gaining the insight into their perspective. Now, we may never agree with that, but at least we understand them a little bit mm-hmm. um, deeper, you know, and it's easier to, to just speak, you know, not to take their perspective and to override that, Yeah, but it's not as effective. Yeah, good point. I think I really appreciate, Jim, and I want to highlight this to dads, that you have ears to hear when someone speaks into your life without being defensive and saying, mm-hmm. I do need to work on that. I can see that blind side. You know, you're helping me be more aware now that you point it out. And I think that's really worth highlighting to dads is that you're willing to take that feedback and put it into action. Well, I, I find it so interesting, Jim, that you're talking about the first quality of servant leadership is listening. Because even this past month, I did an entire show on the Dad Whisper just on teaching dads how they can become active listeners. And I would love to hear from your side of the solar system, right? Men are from Mars, women are from (laughs) Venus, on that topic. Like, how do you think dads can become better listeners? Well, first of all, slow down Mm. and don't jump to conclusions. Most of all, don't try to fix everything, even though that would be your first inclination. You know, men, we're fixers. We're wired to fix Mm -hmm. things. And so when we hear a problem... Well, let's take care of it. But really, especially young daughters and our spouse, you know, wives, mm-hmm. they just want to be heard, first yeah. of all. And sure. so slow down. Secondly, 
Look your child in the eye and pay attention to what they're saying. Again, don't overdo this. They say about 60% of the conversation should be looking the other person in the eye. Mm. And make sure that you understand their perspective. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage dads to do that when your kids are young and when they're little. Because if you show them that their problems are important to you when their problems are small and they're small, then they will more likely come to you as they grow into their teenage years mm-hmm. and young adulthood. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. They know that you care when you do that. Yeah, good. So and, good. And thirdly, ask good open-ended questions. So why do you feel that way? Mm. And don't be accusatory. That, that Our tone is very important. Or what did I do that made you think that I was against you? Yeah. Yeah. I love those open-ended, softened responses. That's what I always tell dads is that think soft because that isn't weak. That's actually, like you said, Jesus modeled that kind of meekness, strength under mm-hmm. control. Well, you also mentioned empathy as one of the qualities of a servant leader, right? Listening, empathy, healing, awareness, and nurturing. And I, I would love to just share a quick story on that one that comes to my mind as you, as you mentioned that topic of empathy is I had a for, former ABBA project dad come to me a while back and say something like this. He was like, my 14-year-old daughter is so self-absorbed. All she does is get in front of the mirror, obsess over her hair and her makeup and her clothes. And he goes, how do I get her to stop thinking just about herself? And I am telling you, I remember saying, okay, you can't tell someone like your daughter not to think something or notice something. The only way to help her is to redirect her focus in another direction. And if you were to help her volunteer, in other words, to use your word, Jim, which I hadn't used then of servant leadership, is if you could invest in the lives of someone either less fortunate or has a need, Your daughter will not be as focused on herself. And better yet, Dad, I would suggest that you do the volunteering with her side by side. You know what he said? He goes, nope, 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 not going to do that. And I was so shocked that he's saying, I have a problem and I noticed something. And I'm like, good, Dad, way to go. You're noticing. But if you want your daughter to learn empathy and get her focus off herself, she's got to invest in giving of herself in qualities that have nothing to do with hair, makeup, clothing. And I'm telling you, if any dads in Portland want to volunteer with their kids, write me. Write me at Dr. Michelle at thedadwhisper.com because I have made a list of about 15 places here in Portland that you can volunteer like a one-time thing. And if dads are saying, okay, I want to teach my kid empathy, but I don't know how to model it very well, but let's do a project, something we do side by side. I want to help you with that. Well, Jim, let me let me go on to one of the of the other concepts you talked about in servant leadership, which is awareness. Tell us more about that one. Well, you know, in the workplace today, many people have been trained on the importance of EQ, which is emotional mm. quotient, or EI, which is emotional intelligence, but basically the same thing. Right. And, and really, that is what awareness is, knowing how others perceive you and how they are responding to you, and even knowing yourself and, and dealing with those issues uh, before other people tell you that you, that you have these issues. Mm-hmm. And th- they're well aware of it, so we need to become aware of it. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to my years of leading without the necessary skills to, to, 
to do so effectively. I was unaware of how other people perceived me or worse yet, I didn't care. Hmm. I became frustrated easily. But, you know, I, I could justify that by telling myself that it was because I wanted things done right and other people didn't care as much as I did. Oh. And I convinced myself that when I got frustrated with people, when I raised my voice, you know, even with my kids, it was like, but I, but I have the be- your best interest in mind. Uh-huh. But it was coming across in a way that it was all about me. And so if I would raise my voice in response to other people, um, I would convince myself that it was because I was passionate, and if they didn't understand that, it was their problem. <laughs> now, Michelle, I look for signs that tell me how I'm coming across to other people. And although I don't always pick up on those cues, I'm trying to make the necessary changes. Mm. I can tell you as a woman to a man that I so respect men, right, need to be respected. That's a, that's a, I believe God's mm-hmm. made men mm-hmm. with that. I respect you saying, I am open to looking at my own stuff. And I love that you are setting the stage. You are leading the way with dads listening today and being willing to do that. And, and speaking of dads, okay, what are some ways, Jim, then, based on what you've said, that you think dads may be unaware of how they're responding to their children and any ideas for how they could improve in that area? Well, again, slow down. I wrote a blog on this uh, a little while ago um, that can be accessed at our website, valiantleaders.com. But we need to step back and think about how our children are perceiving us and to take that moment and make the necessary changes. You know, sometimes when our kids are real little, you know, we're, we're much taller than they are and they become <laughs> fearful. And if we don't catch that, then they grow up with that fear that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so we need to make those changes. And I've also learned that when I blow it, I need to own up to that. And I need to apologize. And and I've also learned to say not, you know, I apologize for that, but I am sorry. And then to name what I'm sorry for. Excellent. And I even do that with my granddaughters. You know, um, I, I blew it here. And I need to tell you that I am really sorry for mm-hmm. for doing this. And they respect that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so I would encourage dads to, to model for them how they want their children to live. Mm-hmm. And we need to be intentional about that. So if we want our kids to, to be concerned for the well-being of other people, yeah. then we need to model that mm-hmm. by treating others with respect. And that begins with them. And so if you want them to not, not to yell, Mm-hmm. then we need to stop losing our temper. Yeah, good point. Well, what Jim, let's just really make, make this even more practical. What do you do as a dad where you're trying to train your kids, right, to respect authority, to take the skills they learn at home and live it outside of the home? What do you do if you're modeling servant leadership, you're serving your kids, you're leading them by example, right? You're dropping the anger, you're slowing down, but they're still not getting it. They're taking advantage of your serving them. Any ideas for how dads can deal with that? Well, you know, we are all selfish people. And so when um, somebody does something for us, a lot of times it's because we're not grateful people. And so we want, you know, we want things to be easy for us. But that's part of 
nurturing. That's part of, mm. of, of modeling for your children, uh, but not just modeling, but, but helping them to, uh, to develop these skills. And so if we're going to nurture them, we ourselves need to be grateful people. And I know parents who don't say thank you. My, I, I have um, those in my circle of influence, you know, in my family, Mm-hmm. I, I have members who are more grateful than other people. And what do you want to do for those who are, are grateful? Yeah, I think you want to do more for them. Yeah, I think just hearing you talk about nurturing, what first jumps off the page at me when you're talking about this as a quality of servant leadership is that I often have thought of nurturing as more of a female quality, a mom thing. Mm. And I Mm. I really appreciate you talking about how gratitude and being grateful, even for what your kids do, a dad's expressing gratitude, that it's part of nurturing them as a man, as a dad. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to highlight. So that's great. And look at ways that you can praise them, you know, Mm -hmm. to encourage them. Yeah. And and to focus on their successes. Too many parents and, and guilty, you know, um, focus on their children's failures. Mm -hmm. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Well, what is it that they're doing right? And how can I encourage them in that? Mm -hmm. And and so we need to be careful that even when we're, um, when we're trying to help them with those areas that maybe we're frustrated in, you know, that, that they're not doing the way that we would do, or they're not doing it all. Or as fast as you would do, or, or, or as fast. Yeah. Yeah, we we have one son that uh, we said said that as he was growing up, he didn't have a fast bone in his body. You know, I mean, <laughs> and, and yet I, I'm very, you know, I, I'm very quick and and I don't pace myself very well. I just I just go for it. So, um, but but to to be careful not to be harsh and sarcastic mm-hmm. in our criticism, yeah. you know, and yeah. to 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 do that carefully. Yeah. We need to understand that struggles go along with successes. So if we're going to be successful at this, we're going to have those struggles as well. And they're going to have struggles, and we need to help them through those. Excellent, excellent. Well, let me ask you one last question. Is Jim, you you have four granddaughters. What ages are they? What to what? They are two, four, seven, and 13. Okay, so wow, you've got a span in there. How do you apply these principles with your granddaughters? Because we may have some grandfathers listening today Break it down for them. Well, first of all, you know, my sons will be quick to tell you that, that I have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, as, as they were growing up, I didn't have these principles. And so um, now that I've learned them, and it's been 11 years, Michelle. It's not, it's not something that happened overnight. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I'm much more relaxed now and hopefully a little wiser. Yeah. But by slowing down and paying attention to what's going on around me, I'm able to detect sooner, you know, yeah. maybe the problems that are taking place around me. And I'm also intentionally responding with more compassion. And so I've yeah. learned to use persuasion more than simply telling them what to do, which was my fallback modus operandi when my kids were young. Mm-hmm. But now I think through, okay, how am I going to persuade them to see my perspective or to to see the, the necessity for accomplishing this goal. Oh, now, that's... let me be careful with this because some people say, well, then you're having to convince them or persuade them all the time. No, it's okay to tell your, your child to take out the garbage, yeah. you know, or 
chores like that and, and say, hey, this is what we do as a family, and this is your responsibility, and we need to give them that responsibility. But there are many other things that persuasion is a better tool than just laying down the law. Well, Jim, as you know, I like to end every session with one go step that dads can put their love for their kids into action this week. What would you suggest? Well, the first thing that I would suggest is putting down your phone and your computers and spend time with your kids and have them do the same thing. Because listening and hearing each other requires that we spend time together without all the interruptions. Oh, I love it. It's practical, it's action-oriented, and it it can happen today. Well, Jim, it's been great to have you here. Jim Jones, president of Valiant Leaders. He's given us great input today on how dads can model servant leadership to their kids. Jim, thanks so much for being here. It's been great to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Michelle. It's been great. And we stand together, Jim and I, in saying, Go Dads!